Welcome, everybody, to the RV Podcast, episode 402. And this week, I share with you my five big disappointments with Starlink. Hi, everybody, and a happy 4th of July upcoming to everybody in uh, the U.S. Uh, we're Mike and Jennifer Wendland, and this is episode 402. And we're going to talk about Starlink, the uh, satellite internet system that uh, Elon Musk has put up through his SpaceX. A lot of excitement by RVers. We've had it now for about four or five months. And uh, overall, I'm dissatisfied. It's not what I had hoped, and I'll share you those uh, disappointments uh, coming up in our uh, our middle section here in the podcast. But we've got lots of other stuff to talk about. Uh, it, it's cool. We got to go it's inside and uh, just put on a shirt and a little sweatshirt for Jennifer. The the uh, ninety degree weather has a quick break. We are coming to you from Michigan. It's beautiful though. It's just. Uh, I think it just dropped under 70 degrees, about mm -hmm. 68 right now. Yeah, just a little bit ago. We should tell everybody we have a new giveaway to share with you, and this is for a wonderful fall trip to northern New York State near the Thousand Lakes area there at a brand new resort uh, a, a friend of ours called uh, Swan Bay Resort. The resort's been around a while, but we've just uh, heard about them. And they are offering to uh, some of our followers, uh, uh, one lucky follower will win a uh, two-night RV stay at Swan Bay Resort. And with that comes a gift basket. The total value is uh, $265. $265. You get a bunch of little gifts with it. Uh, it comes at the peak time that uh, the trees will be starting to turn in uh, the fall. So all you have to do is enter. It's free to enter. You can enter as many times as you want. We'll put the description below. And just one winner, just one lucky winner. One winner. They have to be in the U.S. And I know our Canadian friends always wonder about that. And it has to do with uh, contests and legal stuff that I don't understand. But most of the prizes we get are, are for U.S. residents only. And uh, I'm sorry, it's not our policy. It's... Uh, it's uh, I don't even know who to blame. <laughs> we don't know this Canada. It's the just the thing, the way it is. Somebody's uh, to blame. But you Canadians are used to that too. You know, there's a lot of stuff, you know, like mailing stuff. and it, It's crazy. But uh, anyway, one lucky winner, and we'll announce it in two weeks, and uh, we'll put a, a, a link in the description below uh, and in the podcast show notes uh, so you can uh, enter uh, for that two-night stay at Swan Bay. Now, it sounds kind of fun because you said there were oversized lots. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Right on the St. Lawrence River. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is—it's beautiful. The Thousand Lakes area of upstate New York is gorgeous. I bet you're going to see a lot of ships passing. Oh yeah, there'll be a lot. You know, the St. Lawrence Seaway. Yeah. It's, yeah, 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 it's great. And that would make it fun. Anyway, check out the link uh, rvlifestyle.com/sweepstakes. Enter as many times as you want. And we've got uh, our gathering, our big annual fall gathering, and this time it's going to be. In Linden, Tennessee. In mid-Tennessee. You heard us talk about Linden because that's where the property that we're turning into our little private RV resort is located. And uh, we call this the Gathering on the Buffalo River. Now, I hesitate to say too much in the podcast because we just announced it 
And when I checked this morning, there were four spots open. That's all there were. Uh, we have reserved all the spots in a, a, a really great RV spot uh, campground right there um, with full hookups for everybody. We have jam-packed activities planned. The dates are October 17th through the 20th. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you've never been in mid-Tennessee, you've heard us talking about it. We're going to give you a great tour. There's lots of things you can do. You can kayak, picnic, explore, um, do a wine tasting. They're having a... The city's closing down the street just for our group, and we're going to have a block party. Right. We're going to have a dinner and some music and hopefully have fun outside. Yeah. So you'll have a ball, and we'll invite you to stop by our place and take a look at what we're we're doing there for on the five acres that we bought. But uh, lots of th fun things to do. And uh, to, uh, to check that out, just go to rvlifestyle.com slash Buffalo River. Buffalo River, great river. You're going to want to kayak on it best time of year to be and down there, there will be classes for beginners if maybe you're a little rusty at your kayaking you'll have the opportunity to sharpen your skills before you take off yep so check all of that out all right we have um, some RV news this week that we want to share and of course this is the big 4th of July weekend yeah and uh, AAA is predicting 47.9 million people will be traveling at least 50 miles or more away from their home for the July 4th weekend with car travel setting a new record despite the high cost of gas. Now that's very surprising to a lot of folks because there's been so much vocal complaints about how high fuel prices are, rightly so, but yet it doesn't seem to be affecting travel at all. Well maybe people have cut back in the month of June and they do want to get away. They have traditions like a lot of people go to a certain place and gather and they've done it for year after year after year and they're going to do it. Yep. Uh, last year about 46.2 million people traveled and uh, again as Jen said this year 47.9 they're expecting to travel and almost all of that by car um, and I think they've even broken down the days yeah. that are the busiest. Yeah, it's so yeah it's, it's crazy too because Independence Day weekend they say 41.8 million vehicles and 3.5 million by air. Yeah, well, good luck with that. If you've been following anything with the air, uh, I saw a story that I shared on our Facebook group, um, written by a flight attendant, who said her advice: if you're going to fly anywhere, and it would only take you seven hours or less, drive it. If you can drive it within seven hours, because the the airlines are just a mess. Hundreds of flights again canceled uh, over the past week, and. Uh, they don't have enough help and it's just a mess so and those statistics that we gave were for last year so who knows what will be happening this year yeah uh, so they say in Atlanta traffic is expected to be at its worst from 2:30 to 4:30 p.m. Thursday Chicago 2:45 to 4:45 Friday is the worst and out there uh, in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle they say avoid the roads around 4 to 6 p.m. if you're near Seattle because that's a rush hour time then. Good news in Yellowstone this past week after those devastating floods of a couple weeks ago. Yeah, they've uh, reopened the south, east, and the west entrances last week. Now the north is still closed, likely will be because that's where most of the damage and the rock slides were. Um, but as you recall, the park was closed completely by these devastating floods. Um, 
The towns around Yellowstone uh, have been trying to stay afloat each year. They were really hit hard with COVID. Uh, the closure to the Northern Loop is really uh, tough for uh, Gardner, which is the big location on the north. Gardner itself was hit very hard by those floods. Um, and in fact, Wyoming tourism officials were in the news last week urging tourists to please still come to Wyoming. Um, the Southern Loop is where you'll see Old Faithful, uh, a lot of the classic attractions. And I think there. it's interesting how they're trying to manage this because with the north entrance closed, you know, all these people are going to be coming and uh, odd even yeah. every other day, odd or even license plate numbers. Yeah. So that's, the that's, days of the week. that's Yellowstone. And uh, last week, another national park was uh, affected uh, by uh, another uh, flood, by a sudden downpour. And that was in Utah. Yeah, Utah's Capitol, or Capitol Reef uh, National Park last week. The, uh, visitors were stranded. They had to be rescued. They had to helicopter them to safety. About uh, 60 people. 60 people. Park rangers uh, were also trapped. Uh, heavy rain literally washed out a road. Um, nobody was hurt, so that's good. Yes. Uh, but some vehicles washed away in mm. the flooding. Uh, we're big fans of Capitol Reef, as we are all of the national parks in Utah. Utah is just awesome. In fact, it's so great we wrote a book, a travel guide to Utah. And uh, we'll put a link to that in our uh, show notes and description below as well. But uh, you got to go to Utah. If yeah. you haven't been to Utah, go to Utah. Yep. So. So the national parks have taken it from uh, sudden downpours in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And then there's a story up in Michigan that we want to pass along. We just came up, you know, we have our Upper Peninsula Guide and we just did our Lower Peninsula Guide. So I know a lot of people, this is peak travel time for RVers coming to Michigan. Uh, if you're up in the UP, they're telling people, watch out for moose, moose because um, just in the past month, six, six bull moose have been hit and killed by vehicles. And when you run into a moose in a vehicle, your vehicle is in pretty bad shape as well. As well as the moose. The moose are big, they're yeah, dark, they're big. hard to see after dark. Poor guys. And when you see those, you know, moose crossing or even deer crossing signs, be careful. Slow down a little uh, bit. All those six moose that, that were killed in the last month were in areas that had those caution moose crossing signs. So yeah, be careful. Yeah, in the neighborhood that we live in, there are signs up for deer crossing. Yeah. And there are some places where animals just like to cross. And really, every day you see them out there, uh, the, their carcasses. It's, it's mm -hmm. sad. Uh, hey, we want to uh, bring back a, a quick list of some of uh, the RV shows that are around. There's several of them that are uh, worthy of putting on your calendar. Uh, you want to start with the first one? All right. August 11th through the 14th. Mark your calendar. Midwest RV Super Show. Oh, so that's the RVs and Motorhome Hall of Fame, Elkhart, Indiana. Yep, and then uh, that's the 11th to the 14th. Then the 19th to the 21st in August, uh, out at uh, in Hampton, Virginia, it's the Hampton Roads RV Super Show at the Hampton Roads Convention Center. Um, we will put links to all this in the show notes so you can click on them and find them, but uh, that's a big one. But then the really big one, the big, big, there's big two big ones. Show. These are the two that you really should. So these are the ones, yep. mark them down. The, if, the um, let's see, August 24th to the 27th, the FMCA 105th International Convention and RV Expo. 
and that's in Lancaster Event Center, Lincoln, Nebraska. In Nebraska this year. It's the first time I think they've gone there, at least since we've been a member of FMCA. Yeah, and if you haven't been to one of their shows, you should go to one. Oh my gosh, their gatherings and their conventions and RV expos are fabulous. The mm -hmm. FMCA, so that's August 24th to 27th. Now, I'm, we're getting bugs yeah, flying around bugs, this stuff. So you yeah, see a squat and it's just bugs. Yeah. Um, now, here's the one that uh, everybody wants to know about because it is the, uh, they claim, America's largest RV show, and that is the Hershey RV show. You know, that's its official name, uh, Hershey America's largest RV show. Hey, they knew, somebody in marketing knew yeah, what they were doing. They, they officially they named it that. that name. And uh, anyway, uh, the dates are September 14th through the 18th. Now, we will be there. We'll be making some appearances and doing meetups with uh, uh, Keystone RV, with Camping World, with Leisure Travel Vans, and probably a couple others. So we'll be all over that show that week, and we can't wait to meet many of you. But uh, that is a fun show at Hershey. We don't miss it. We go every single year, September 14th through the 18th. I remember last year, wasn't that one of the first RV shows that just really opened up yeah. after the COVID? Everybody was so happy to yeah, be back. Yeah, such a happy faces. Yeah, it really was. Uh, all right, when we come back, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about Starlink. We look so forward to getting it. And now that we have it, we're going to share our five top disappointments. Stay with us. Tired of overcrowded campgrounds, competing for reservations, paying high fees for sites, well, ownership is an emerging trend in RVing that might be right for you. On July 30th, there's a big lakefront sales event at the Landings in Tennessee. Jennifer and I visited the Landings just west of Nashville. They offer incredible RV lakefront properties, up to 70 times the size of a typical RV lot, with frontage on the biggest lake in Tennessee. We loved it. The scenery is breathtaking, and you own it outright. It's not a timeshare. It's your property, your way. You can have your own private dock. You can landscape, garden. They're pet-friendly. It's gated and secure with high-speed internet available. There's even free RV and boat storage. It's a wonderful place to make your home base. No more calling around for reservations. Ready whenever you want. Dockable lakefronts start at only $59,900. There's financing and big discounts on multi-lot packages. For information, visit RVLakefrontland.com. That's RVLakefrontland.com. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country. And there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World. And as we talk about it as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount. If you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10, when you buy $99 or more in merchandise, you'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. Welcome back, everybody. And now we're going to talk about Starlink because we were so thrilled and so excited to get it. And... Uh, Mike's going to share if his expectations were all met. Well, I think they could tell they have not been. However, 
let's also say at the start, because I'm going to talk about our five disappointments, but uh, we'll say it now, we'll say it again at the end. We're glad we have Starlink. We do use it. It is not what we had hoped right out of the box, and we'll tell you why. Uh, but let's uh, set the scene a little bit. There are, because it can be kind of confusing, there are basically three different types of service that you can get right now as, um, as a regular person. There's a business tier that they're developing, but for... So, um, there's a residential. Residential. 110 a month. At 110 bucks a month. And that is if you are in a fixed location. If you're in a house, you put it up on your roof or you mount it. One location, 110 bucks a month. Now, the problem is, is that area has to have open spots. Starlink is not opening it up to everybody at once. There are some many areas in the country where they're basically sold out. And uh, there's just not enough satellites to handle any more traffic from that area. So you you can claim a residential service even if you don't live there and a lot of people do that they look around the map and they say oh i don't have one here but two states over in this little county it's open and they'll they'll get one they'll they'll find like a ups store or you know some place where they can have an address and they'll have it delivered there and that'll be their residential one uh our residential one is in florida okaloosa uh, county florida uh near fort walton beach and we, we were able to get an open spot there. That's where our condo is, so uh, we weren't uh, fudging anything. <laughs> we, we, and, and you don't have, like I say, you don't have to live in that area. But anyway, a residential fixed location. However, uh, if you want to travel, there are two other options for you. The first one is residential with portability, it's called. And that, 135 a month. And that means that your system is registered at a permanent address, mm -hmm. but you have enabled portability. And so you're paying an extra $25 a month to give you a total bill of 135. You can then take it with you. You can use it uh, even in oversubscribed areas. If you're there, you can use it. Um, you pay month to month. Um, even if you're not using it, you still are paying for it. But then the most recent level of service that they came out is it's, uh, like the portability. It's called it's, RV for RV. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's good. RV. Same price. One hundred thirty-five a month. And um, and this is really the one that most RVers are opting for now because that means you don't have to have a permanent address. You can take Starlink wherever you go, uh, and a, a big reason to choose that over portability is that. Because a lot of RVers are are seasonal operators, you know, seasonal users, so you can start it and stop it. So, okay, I'm going to be traveling from uh, June to July. I'll enable it those two months, but then I'm not coming back till October. So you can cancel it and then resume it in October. If you do that with the portability option, once you cancel, you got to start all over again uh, and find a new permanent address. And the one you had before might have been sold off. So, uh, for RVers. Uh, RVing is uh, the RV option is the best. So that's a that's a big deal. Yeah. So those three. Yeah. And and those are fine. Uh, and there's lots of rumors. We'll talk about those in a minute. But so we've had this now. We got it in March. And now time for your big disappointments. Yeah. But it didn't quite live up to all the expectations that you had. And, and your first one is Starlink download speeds are really not that fast. Now 
don't get us wrong, Starlink is fast. It's uh, broadband fast. In other words, it's fairly comparable with the download speeds you'll get from cable. Uh, regularly, it will reach speeds over 100 Mbps. But you know what? So these days, in many places, is 5G cellular. Uh, and those super fast Starlink speeds for downloads, they're not consistent. It depends on how, how oversubscribed the area that you're in happens to be and then how congested Starlink traffic is because here's the rub about all those programs. Um, if you have the RV or the portability, you are downgraded in terms of priority. They officially call it deprioritized. What that means is somebody who is operating from that area on Starlink and that's their registered advice gets priority in speed and access to somebody who's using it as an RV user. It's somebody, so somebody at a permanent address. Right. If, and if it's oversubscribed, meaning that they, you know, they're closed, but they've got a number of people there and a bunch of people are using it, they give first priority to those residential users. That makes sense. It's like, it's like cellular users. Cellular users are throttled. Starlink doesn't call it that, but that's the same basic effect. So you'll find these download speeds may look really good, you know, at uh, 7, 6.37 in the morning, but by noon, it's way down again. And in prime time at night, when you're back in the RV and you want to, you know, do all your connections, it may be miserable. Oh dear. So what we have found is that um, uh, 4G LTE internet through a hotspot like MiFi or any of the different services on AT&T or Verizon or T-Mobile, many times it's faster than Starlink if it's in one of those deprioritized areas. So. So I've been very disappointed with with that, with that at times, but that's that's not the only speed issue. Okay, so thing number two is Starlink's upload speeds are abysmal. Upload speeds, in other words, how fast you send send uh, data up, it's just abysmal. I mean, that's the only word I can use. Sometimes it is only one or two Mbps. Rarely is it over five, and five. We have found with a good camera and audio, five is kind of the bare minimum we need when we're on the road and we want to uh, have a reliable video upload or a quality Zoom call. Um, we've not once been able to get enough upload speed from Starlink to do our live streams on the road with Starlink. And that was a big thing. I was so excited because we could be in the middle of nowhere, I thought, and Starlink would give me the connection, and it does, but it doesn't give me enough upload speed. So the only place I got good enough upload speed to do a live stream was in our permanent location, registered location in Florida, where I got priority treatment. All the times on the road, everywhere we've traveled, not enough for upload. So it's, it's been a major bummer for me. I envisioned Starlink to really let me be able to upload, like, like this video that we're doing for our podcast, um, it becomes a huge file, and it takes on on uh, cable internet with you know a good you know a 30, 40 Mbps upload speeds, even 20. It's going to take an hour or two to upload this this podcast video that you're watching now. With Starlink, it would take me if I if I didn't lose connections, 
just another thing we'll talk about it would take me five hours so Ooh. the upload speeds are horrible horrible so Star starlink doesn't like trees that's number three yeah now we love trees we love trees <laughs> we we love boondocking and uh, we love being in out-of-the-way places and those are almost always forested places mm -hmm. so even when I mount Starlink on the 20-foot telescoping pole that I use, uh, reliable, consistent Starlink connectivity uh, is broken up by those trees. The, the trees, the branches, the leaves, uh, it really requires a clear sky, particularly on the northern horizon. Now, it can connect through some of those trees. Um, that if there's a couple of them in this field of vision, there's a little app they give you and you'll see, that, well, you, you might be able to do it. But um, if the trees are there, as it's following the satellite across the sky, it's gonna, the satellite is gonna be one side, the tree is gonna be in the middle and it's gonna block your connectivity and you're gonna drop that signal. Maybe just for a parts of a second, but you'll get these jumps. It, it's very annoying. Um, and uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't work well so um, the result is to have Starlink work the best in whatever situation it is you really have to almost always set your RV up in a clearing um, which is necessary for a good solid connection yes you get some with trees but uh, but it will mess up your connection so Starlink does not like trees and that's just the nature I think of satellite communications not necessarily a fault of Starlink but Still a disappointment for a boondocker. And then number four, Starlink is not permitted for in-motion use. Now, I knew this going in, mm -hmm. and I've, I accept it. Um, and I should say, at least not yet is it approved for in-motion use. And despite those YouTube videos that you might have seen from do-it-yourself RVers who have kind of jerry-rigged up a system uh, in which uh, they somehow fasten the antenna, the dish up uh, on the, the roof of their RV, and they're driving down. They well, look, I got a signal. Uh, Starlink says that is prohibited and that they can pull the access to anybody who is doing that. And uh, um, so we know it does work that way. And we know that Starlink is working on making an in-motion uh, version available. We don't know when. We don't know whether that's going to involve a new antenna. We don't know how much extra they're going to cost and charge for that. But um, meanwhile, uh, you have to pull into a campsite, then set up your Starlink system. In my case, it's I uh, pull it out of the RV storage things. I have to put the mask, uh, the dish on a mask. I have to uh, lift the mask up to its what height. I have to fasten it to the ladder at the back of the RV. I got to run the antenna wire into the router set up a communication it's not hard it's just kind of another step that you have to do when you set up your rv and then of course you got to take it all apart and stow it when you leave so not having it set up all the time and being able to be used for in motion use it's annoying right <laughs> yeah. i mean i don't know how else to say it and uh, it's it's a it's a disappointment so those are the first four the last, last one but not least starlink is expensive it is now the gear cost $599 and then whether uh, you're doing the access with the portability uh, at, at, with the portability enable on a permanent residential hookup or whether you have the RV hookup uh, plan it costs $135 a month 
Now, if that was for consistently fast, consistently reliable connectivity, I think it would be a bargain because that's the only one I would use. I would use it in the RV. When I came back home, I'd, I'd use it for my home as well. But unfortunately, as we've just explained, it isn't consistent and it isn't reliability. So, uh, and it's also expensive. So you, at best, will use Starlink, here's the bottom line here, as a backup system, as another option. I am glad I have it, like I said at the very beginning, um, but I have to spend at least another $135 a month for what the cellular plan I use, which gives us uh, not quite unlimited data, but uh, more than we, than, than we need. I had to buy a $900 router for that. I use a system called Internet on the go, and uh, I'll put the address there. I have no connection with them other than being a customer, but I bought the router, and then it cost me, I think it's 128 a month for their service. And then I have to have Starlink on top. So now we're talking, you know, about $250 a month in internet access fees. Now, we have to have it. We're remote workers. Uh, you may not need that, but it's expensive. And it's not enough on its own for most uh, RVers who are remote workers who demand reliable, consistent internet. Uh, so you need another system. And Starlink is um, basically a backup system. So those are our five big disappointments. But I, I want you to know that, that we're still glad we have it. We're going to keep using it. Mm -hmm. And we think it's going to get better. We do. SpaceX is uh, putting 60 to 100 new satellites into orbit every day as they build out what they call this constellation of low Earth orbiting satellites. Uh, you know, they're planning to even do more launches in the months ahead. So I think if, as that catches up, as those satellites come online, uh, the congestion will ease. Uh, think of us early RVers who are using this as early adapters. Uh, I think two, maybe three years from now, most disappointments I don't think will no longer make Starlink our backup internet and that uh, the system will be as reliable and the only system we'll need. Um, but for now, uh, it does allow us to travel off the grid and we, when we do find ourselves in areas where there's no cell service, we can usually get satellite service from Starlink. It might not be as fast as we like, but it's, 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 we have service, and that is a big plus. So the bottom line, Starlink's great. Um, I think we're glad we have it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just not as great it's now. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. Got it's, room to grow. It's just not as great as maybe we hoped, but we will be patient. All right, when we come back, the questions of the week. Stay with us. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborne batteries. Battleborne batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And Battleborne batteries are protected by a 10-year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And it'll probably be the same on your rig, too. Battleborne battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. 
Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. All right, welcome back, everyone. Time for the questions of the week. And we got a couple of them. Um, the first one, you ready? Ready for the first one? Okay. All right. Um, hey, Mike and Jen. Uh Here's a great discussion topic I would love to know your thoughts on, as well as feedback from your podcast watchers and listeners. We recently went to a campground in Indiana, which I shall not name. To my great surprise, they have a unisex shower room. If you haven't guessed, this means that men, women, boys, and girls go into the same shower room to take a shower, only separated by locked shower stalls. How do you feel about this? Would you feel comfortable showering knowing that a man could be showering in the stall next to you? And would you feel comfortable in the main room doing your hair and makeup knowing that the running shower behind you could be a man? What about men? How do you feel about showering in the same room as women or even children? Just wondering if we're the only old fogies here who think that this is wrong on every level and wondering how they get away with this. Um, I'm going to let you answer that one. Oh, you coward. <laughs> All right, where do I begin? I think the world has changed so much and so quickly, and it's just bulldozing forward. And when you send your kids off to college and they live in these dorms where everybody's everywhere and everybody does whatever they please, far different from the old days, the old, old days where there was the girls' dorm, and ours, you know, and the guys, they didn't have to worry about them. They controlled the girls. The guys were all set. But uh, so things have changed. I think the millennials, most of them probably, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. I think that there are times when a mother or a dad, you know, it's taken their kids to shower. It makes it a little easier for them. But personally, I would like individual, the toilet sink shower. I mean, just or individual shower all by itself and they usually for a handicapped they have a shower you know at the toilet sink shower but I really like campgrounds where you have your individual everything and, you need and those are for whoever wants to use yeah, whoever them. wants to use them they're for men or women but, but it's when a, you go it's in a, there it's a separate it shower private and yeah. you like it it has spoiled me so when I go to an traditional campground with just the women I think man I really miss that individual room you just feel like it's so much more private so I guess this is um, America that we're talking about Indiana so if you don't like it you can leave go to a different place and make sure complain if they feel you you won't do any good I'm sure to complain because they're probably quite proud of themselves for being trendy. Well, we, and we, I don't have enough details on this, so, yeah. so we don't know because we stay often, for example, we stay at a KOA in Kentucky a lot and um, they have they have um, separate individual bathroom showers and there's like six or seven on one side, six or seven, mm-hmm. and they're for, for whoever uses them. Whoever gets there first. But it's not like and a... And you lock the door. It's not like a communal area where you do your hair or your makeup, as you said, and there's somebody right in the shower next to you. That's not the way uh, those are, and and uh, we, we kind of like those. It's individual, your I own like individual, individual room. It's it's a it's a private bathroom. I would not stay at a campground. 
a unisex with unisex. Bathrooms. No, I would not use the unisex yeah. bathrooms. I, I, that's me. I'm older. I'm grandma. I don't want any part of that. And, Thank you. And we may have different opinions on this, but can we all say that whatever you're comfortable with, uh, if you're not comfortable with that, then find a place that you, that you are comfortable. Um, but but uh, back to what you said. And then a lot of people are just so comfortable. <laughs> I mean, like my favorite story, the, the young man running across from the shower to his cabin with a towel wrapped around his waist. And I see a lot of people walking around with their pajamas and their bathrobe on. And it, it's all, I guess, how you were raised. And uh, if you're comfortable or if you're not comfortable, hey, take care of yourself. Yep, yeah. Whatever you're comfortable with. Don't let anybody bully you. It's, uh, the world has changed. <laughs> and I, I have a feeling we haven't seen the end of it yet. No. So. You ain't seen uh, nothing I, yet, boy. All right. Uh, well, thank you for the question. Uh, it might kick us off the podcast yet, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we tried to skirt the issue there. But whatever you're comfortable with. All right. One more question that came in this week. Okay. This came from Joe. Our travel trailer is parked in our driveway until September. Can we leave the so solar panel plugged in all summer? to keep our deep cell battery charged? Uh, yes, you can. Uh, and it's a question of, you know, uh, I don't know how, how much solar you have and uh, what, where you live, whether you have sunshine. Remember in the winter time that the sun is not nearly as strong, but yes, it will trickle charge. It should give some sort of a charge depending on how much, how much solar you have. So yes, you can leave it running. But like I always say, when we're talking about a RV that's in storage that you're not using for weeks, months at a time, every week, go in it, check it, look it all over, make sure everything looks okay, make sure you don't have mice in there, and in your case, make sure that the batteries indeed are being charged, and if not, disconnect it and buy a small little trickle charger if you have to, or take your battery completely out if it's an AGM battery. Uh, so uh, follow the instructions that you have in, in whatever your uh, user manual is. But in general, yes, you can leave it and have it charge. And I can't emphasize enough checking on your RV, particularly this well, summer or winter. You say mice, check for ants. Make sure your refrigerator door is open so it doesn't get a little nasty smell inside it. Just go in and stick your head and look around and look up, look at the corners, make sure nothing's leaking check yeah you don't want a surprise when you're all set to go out the door yeah great advice all right you got questions you got comments here's our address mike and jen at rvlifestyle.com that's our personal address and uh we you can get get us anytime mike and jen at rvlifestyle.com send us your comments your questions and we'll uh get to them next week thank you guys so much for watching we so appreciate you being here week after week We'll see you down the road. Happy trails.